Welcome to the Question Community Broadcast. The Question is a new disruptive community that provides a gathering place for those who wonder about our complex selves, our complex world, our complex universe. We are a non-religious and inclusive community that explores the many questions surrounding truth in order to encourage you on the important journey to find your own answers. The Question Community gathers every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary, starting at 7. Information on the community is available at our website, www.thequestion.ca. You can also join the community online at our Facebook page, which is The Question, and on Twitter, at TQCom, with two M's. You're now going to hear some highlights from our community gathering, where the question is asked through original arts and music, as well as thought-provoking presentations. This is Frederick Tamagi. Now, I'm hoping that by this point in the presentation, you might see my small epiphany of caution as a small inspiration to explore the question, do we really understand love in a new way? That new way would be to ask why we try so hard to impose simplicity on such a complex idea. That new way would be to intensely question all of the simple if-then formulas for love, no matter how seductive or poetic they are, because love is complexity. Now, with the time I have left tonight, I'd like to further provoke you to think about your own formulas for the meaning of love, whether or not they appear to be working out for you or not. The provocations will be a kind of visual association experiments or experience that might lead uh, to some questions about how certain your understanding of love really is. Now, I'll reassure everyone again that the provocation is not some kind of covert love test that can be passed or failed. In fact, it can't be a test because I'm not sure that either right or wrong can be an outcome of these provocations. Some big questions remain questions because they're so big. The first provocation is to open up a strange doorway, a strange doorway through which love might be understood. Let me start the visual association process by asking how the following images might prompt you to respond. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah, that's my reaction too. <laughs> Just missing a picture of Charlie in there, right? Okay, how about, the, how about these? Oh, the beautiful baby monkeys, eh? Crazy, yeah. Oh, oh, right? Now, what words might describe how these images make you feel? Besides uh, fuzzy, right? Beautiful, cuddly, right? Makes you think about love, doesn't it? Okay, I think we can basically agree that it's pretty easy to experience feelings of love and affection when you process these images. Puppies, monkeys, and babies are guaranteed to melt our hearts and remind us that new life is beautiful, right? Now I want to introduce you to a superhero of cuddliness. Just born, okay, this past February, during the Super Bowl. Now, you're gonna have to bear with me because I hate you too. I might just chill tonight. Puppy monkey baby. 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 
It's a bit. This is a bit crazy. Okay, just let me get back to uh, my presentation. Probably didn't expect this, right? Now, what doorway would you imagine is opened by this super awesome provocation? Here's how it struck me. It isn't enough to just question the simple if-then formulas for love, which you also enthusiastically acted out a few moments ago. So if it's a cuddly puppy, or a cute monkey, or a beautiful baby, that's simple. Then it must be beautiful, it must be love, okay? But sometimes in order to question the simplicity of love, we need to be shocked into complexity. Puppies, monkeys, and babies help us to understand that simple love can indeed be comforting and beautiful. Puppy monkey baby <laughs> helps us understand that more complex love can be disturbing. Anyone, anyone, anyone disturbed here? And even, it was licking the face that did it for me. And even, can be disturbing and even a little grotesque. Okay? The provocations will get a little more serious now because I'm sure you'd all like to get PMB out of your heads. Now, these are images of Sumatran tigers in the wild. It's pretty difficult not to respond strongly to these pictures, would you agree? We can't help ourselves as we look at these magnificent animals, marveling at their beauty, their primal power, their unique presence, which borders on nobility. Now, would it be an overstatement to say that we respond to these tigers with a sense of respect and wonder? Is that an overstatement? Probably not. Okay, well, I'm not gonna assume that any of us would necessarily translate that respect and wonder into actual love for these tigers, but you can help with the provocation by commenting on this question. In what way would you logically express love for these tigers if you were asked to do so? Like, how, would you, how could you practically express love for these tigers? Anybody wanna comment? I think, I, I think someone like, um, I might have gotten her name wrong, like Jane Goodall, took her entire life, went out into the wilderness, studied them, and connected with, like, not tigers, but apes. Apes. Tigers' life without understanding them. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a logical response. So taking time to actually understand them and connect with them. That, that's, actually, that's actually a really good uh, comment about how you might be able to love them. Anyone else? Yeah. I, I think I, I, I love the fact that they are, the sheer power and beauty in the way they go about their predatory activities. Like they only hunt when they're hungry. Like it's just, and it's so quick and clean. And yeah. So would you say that, are you saying that, that you, the way you would express love for them is to kind of just leave them alone and let them, yeah. and let them be who they are? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Awesome. Anyone else? Yeah. I have a tapestry of a tiger right beside my bed that I go and burn up and wake mm -hmm. up in the morning and look at this tiger. And there's something about the presence of that tiger to hide to me as I've in those waking moments. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. So there's a bit of a spiritual connection, maybe. Spiritual yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, and, 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 and so for a spiritual person who can say love isn't spiritual. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Spiritual love with that beast, or beast. So yeah, three, actually three really good answers. Uh, you know, understand them, let them be who they are, and, and sort of uh, love them spiritually, or that there's a spiritual thing going on. Well, okay, so... I do want to say a typical way of expressing love for 
lots of wild species is generally something like preserve their habitat, leave them alone in their natural life, and admire them. Okay? Now, would you say that's a reasonable understanding of how to love a wild tiger? Okay. By the way, we're really fortunate to live in Canada because so many wild species here can still be loved this very way, right? Preserve their habitat, let them, uh, leave them alone to live their natural life, and just enjoy them. That's simple and beautiful. Now, these are also images of Sumatran tigers, but this time they're part of a zoo population. Now, having just seen pictures of them in the wild, remembering your reaction to that, what is your reaction to these images uh, of the tigers in their new man-made habitat? Anybody want to comment on it? Marguerite? Oh, you're sort of, you're making a noise. It's distasteful. You're saying it's distasteful. They know who they are. They know who they are. Yeah. They know where they are in the food chain. Okay. But when you put them in the zoo, everybody messes with them. And it's so contradictory to their actual way of being. It's so sad. It's like ripping out the sheer essence of what it means to be a person. So your reaction is that they've lost their identity. They've totally lost yeah. their identity. Yeah. Okay. So you look at them in this environment, you don't really see yeah. the true essence of tiger. No, that's a really good comment. Yeah, Jonathan? So I've always conflicted those things because of why they exist and, and we're also responsible for the fact that animals end up in zoos in the first place. Really, um, if there were greater restrictions on things like poaching in parts of the world where these animals live, a lot of them probably wouldn't have to end up. Did you read my presentation, John? I did not. No. Okay. So I feel like this is also <laughs> like a fail. But, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Can I play the contradictory card? Sure. I know people have lots of conflicted feelings about zoos and feel like, you know, it's cruel to imprison the animals, but I also, like, I'm a mother who's taken my child to the zoo a lot, and I get to watch children and connect with the world and become fascinated by it and care oh, okay. about the tiger because mm -hmm. they see how beautiful the tiger is. And so I've always thought, I mean, I know that there is a strong argument in the other, for the other way that people feel, but I've always felt that animals and zoos are ambassadors for their kind. So, so, so there's kind of a learning or a positive educational element to it, right? Okay, okay. So a lot of good comments again. I think sort of the, I was looking for a reaction, and, and generally the reaction is Marguerite's reaction. It's kind of distasteful. So would I be walking on thin ice if I raised the question of love here? Okay, would I be provoking a debate if I said that keeping these noble creatures in a cage or enclosure is an equally valid expression of love for these animals? Okay. Uh, how many of you would agree with me about that? Okay. That it's an equally valid expression of love. That being in a zoo is loving these animals the same as. Oh, okay. Okay. No, you don't agree. You... Yeah. So I'd say about half. People think that it is love. This is the misconception. Well, and it possibly is. Okay. But so. Some agree, some don't agree. Uh, but if you disagree with the fact that this is a valid expression of love, 
Uh, let me expand the provocation just a little more. These are images of the real-world experience of Sumatran tigers. Relentless habitat destruction and rampant poaching for their skins, bones, penises, and other organs for trophies and Asian folk medicines has decimated the population. How many tigers do you think are left? Sumatran tigers are left. Pretty close. Less than 500 Sumatran tigers still left in the wild. Two other indigenous species of Indonesian tigers have completely disappeared in just the last 80 years. Now, the Indonesian government has finally awakened to the problem. But human weakness and corruption within their country has forced Indonesia to export dozens of Sumatran tigers to save zoos all over the world. Okay? This is being done to protect the few adult tigers still living and nurture the birth of a new generation of tigers who may never ever know freedom, okay? But also will not just disappear from the earth. Now, does this extra provocation change the question of how we can love these animals? We treasure the beautiful expressions of a noble animal living free in the wild, but is the more grotesque expression, this is actually a bit grotesque to me. Yeah. I, you know, it's my reaction. I mean, to your point, Joanna, right? Not grotesque to me. No, but the idea that a, a, a child in a tiger suit, um, there's just something difficult about it, right? It could go either way. A child in a tiger suit because the child loves the tiger. Admires the tiger. the tiger. Wants to be a tiger, maybe. Yeah. Wants to be a tiger. Yeah. He's Pretty, it's a pretty charged image, right? There's lots of people that would go, you know, I can understand that. It's inspiring to children and so on. There's other people that go, that's, that's really complicated, okay? It's an animal on display to a person dressed like one, okay? But I'm just saying that, or asking, is the more grotesque expression of that noble animal living in captivity on public display any less an expression of love? Okay, does this become an expression of love in order to prevent this? This is Joanna Drummond. So this song is a song that was inspired by Does Magic Tricks at the Boston Pizza by My House on Thursday night. Um, I watched him do his job there and for a while we went we were going there every week because Sylvie had soccer and we were just not able to get our lives together well enough to cook dinner at home so we would end up at Boston Pizza after soccer with a dirty sweaty kid and um and so I just was watching this guy and I thought there was so much poetry in him and I wrote this song about him it's called The Magician. The Magician
So you ready for another provocation? This last one was pretty good. Okay, here's another one. Sorry. Why did I pick the tigers? Um, you know, it's funny. I think a, you know, I went to the WWF uh, site uh, to sort of look at animals that were endangered. And, and the reason that I picked uh, the Sumatran tiger is because I personally have a fascination with tigers. You know, uh, they are such a, a singular, unique animal. And um, pandas for sure. But it's interesting in terms of this issue of, of imprisonment. Okay, if you see being in a zoo as being a prison, I think the contrast of a tiger being put in prison is really a good illustration of the balance and the problem or the imbalance. That's the reason. Yeah, it wasn't, there are a lot of other animals. I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think also people want what they really can't have. And they, they really can't have tigers, normal. I mean, yeah. nobody could ever really have a tiger. Leave me like a pet tiger. Like, or even go out. I mean, it takes a huge resource to go 
quote. And actually, even if you even if you have the financial capital mm-hmm. to go out and actually shoot a tiger, yeah. I mean that's like that's just beyond most people's realm. So so there's always this quality. and it doesn't have to be a tiger. We do the same thing with rare plants. We don't identify where we find rare plants or historical or archaeological. It's true. Things. We don't identify those only for the government. Well, and and the scarcity actually makes it more valuable. And that's, of course, one of the reasons why I'm sure in sort of the Asian folk medicine world that if you're looking for tiger parts, uh, Sumatran tiger parts are considered more, the most potent because there's only 500 of them left. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very, very complicated issue, right? Uh, and, and the only part that I'm really trying to focus on tonight is this issue of, of the complexity of love, right? And, and how we make up our minds so quickly about the best way to approach tigers, right? Should they be left free or should they be caged? If they're left free, they might disappear. If they're caged, they lose their identity. It's complicated and that's, that's what this is really all about. You know, this, kind of remind, this, this reminds me of a horror movie where you love your mother so much that when she passes away, you keep her in the her in a little rocking chair and put her in a little room with a little shrine. Oh, yeah. There's horror stories about that. People won't let yeah. that go. Yeah. And so this is like the same kind of thing to me. It's, it, it's a mental disorder. In, in, so in what way? Do, do you mean the, the idea of killing tigers for... About and, yeah. and the things that we saw before, mm-hmm. that you have to really... Love is a forceful thing or you make them stay regardless, yeah. or you kill them despite them, despite them not, you know, just despite everything. You, just, you hold on to it so tightly mm-hmm. that you'd rather have them dead than not have them. You know, and, and you know what, and there's been books written about that, and movies made about that, and, and poems written about that, and that's another uh, interesting, it's not in this presentation, but it's another interesting sort of complexity of love and the way that we look at love and the way we try and simplify it. Okay, I'm going to move on here. This is really great, by the way. Okay, examine these images for a moment and share your reaction once again. What, what kind of words would you use to describe the individuals, the relationships, the feelings that are represented in these images? Anybody want to react? Who do you think these people are? Seeing the TV show that the characters are and who and what's their relationship? I, would say, I hate this word, but romance. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> close, 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 ma- close, close male friends. Okay. Uh, what other words would you say? Like brothers, friends, close companions. Sorry. Maybe partners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the media and what about the sort of push to make us think about that and put that in our, our thoughts. I, I, I think that's true in, in a way because Jonathan just said, I recognize the two guys from the TV show. I didn't know that. I just sort of picked these randomly. But the reaction, we're all sort of reacting the same way, right? That, yeah, they, they must be brothers, they must be friends, they could be life partners, whatever it may be. Okay? Exactly. Right? I guess what I'm saying is that it could be a fair assumption that these are also pretty positive, 
possible expressions of love, right? Right? All right, so we have another example of that simple, beautiful, formula-friendly understanding of love. It's pretty difficult to mess this one up, okay? So for the purposes of provocation, let me say that these images are not that different than those from the beautiful side of the love formula. If not for the different setting, these participants uh, could well have been the same friends, brothers, companions that we just looked at, holding each other up in life instead of grappling with each other in death. Now, not to diminish the importance of wild animals, but this time, the tragedy that we're thinking about is human, okay? The tragedy is us. Now, let me ask you this question. If love is the simple motive that characterizes men as brothers and friends, what is the simple motive that characterizes men as fighters and killers? Okay? What motivates fighters and killers? Just a word, just a word. Ideology, that's good. Circumstance? Okay. Hatred? Ego? Greed? Power? Yeah, okay. Now, if there's a simple formula for understanding love, war must be an expression of the opposite, right? War must be an expression of hate. Yes? <laughs> which, might be, which might be, to someone else, a form of hate, right? One person's love, right? Someone else's bank card, right? Okay. Now, there's lots of other words that would apply to this, okay? But war certainly cannot be about love, maybe love of country, but it really can't be about love of country if it turns us into killers. It's a bit of a, there's a conflict there, right? Now, turning us into killers is the dead giveaway, pun intended, that war must be about hate. Okay, so if war is about hate, then peace must be about love. That's the if-then formula for love that brings us safely back to our buddy pictures. That's the formula that enables us to habitually condemn war and righteously judge the warmongers in our midst. But as a matter of provocation, is it possible that both of these images are expressions of love? Now you brought up a possible way that you could do that, right? One image of love is simple and beautiful, and the other is complicated and grotesque, possibly. These are images of Auschwitz, okay? Uh, these are mild images, okay? This, by the way, is a warehouse full of shoes. This is a photograph taken fairly recently of a gas chamber. Yeah, it's a vase with flowers in it, okay? A lot of, I think a lot of people visit and leave flowers, or, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, now, Auschwitz, if, if you remember, is one of the Nazi concentration camps that facilitated the murder of over six million innocent Jews during World War II. These are images of modern Syria and Iraq, pictures of the atrocities committed by the Syrian government and ISIS just in the last couple of years. It's been estimated that over 250,000 civilians, men, women, and children, have been killed so far. And an additional 10 million people, close to half the population of Syria, have been displaced and scattered, many of them forever. Now, both of these horrors are deeply embedded in the question of how we understand love. And from our sheltered, idealized culture, we often condemn war as a futile, destructive expression of hate. 
the antithesis of peace, right? The antithesis of love. And yet, even if we unanimously agree that the image on the left is an expression of love, is the other image, even though grotesque, any less an expression of love if these acts of hate could be prevented? Is it possible that war itself is an expression of love? This is part one of this presentation. Part two will be continued in the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in joining the Question community, we meet every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary starting at 7. You can participate in the online discussion on our Facebook page, which is The Question, or on Twitter at TQCOM. That's at T-Q-C-O-M-M. Our website is www.thequestion.ca. Thanks again for listening, and remember that our answers are only possible because of our questions.